G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. Plenty of times, you know, I was asking God, where were you? I mean, it seemed like I wasn't there for God for years. And then I was asking him, where are you, God? You know, you do all these wonderful things. Why couldn't you stop the tree from falling? And I just didn't understand why it happened. And my faith was already low at that point, And I think it just went even lower. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, on a windy day in 2009, John Duthie took a day off work to support his two children taking part in a sports day at their grade school. Tragically, while there, a tree blew over and fell on him, severing his spine and causing paralysis from the chest down. John joins us today from his home in Adelaide to share his story and about his relationship with God through it all. John's chatting with Eric Scatterbone. John Ducey, welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you with us. And we want to talk to you about the events of that tragic day on 2009 and find out what happened. But first, let's find out a little bit about you and your background and the events that led up to that day. So where were you born and raised? I've been in Adelaide most of my life. Um, went to university here. Most of my jobs were in IT. Mm-hmm. Um, got married. Had two children, Jasmine and Ben, and they were about 10 and 12 in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I took the day off to go to their school and just support them at their sports day. My faith wasn't too good at that stage. Um, the relationship between God and myself just um, yeah, wasn't good. I tended to be affected by people in church, which then lowered my faith. So it wasn't God disappearing from my life. It's just other people within church that affected my faith. And I hadn't gone to church for a few years before the day of the sports day. Okay, so spiritually not very strong, as you're mentioning. But then let's find out what happened on that day. I was just walking with my son and my dad to the next sporting event. And we were just waiting there for a while. And mm-hmm. um The next thing I knew, it was two weeks later, but apparently a tree branch fell um, onto my back and neck and severed my spine at the chest level. Oh, wow. So this happened from behind. Yeah. um, Hit me from behind and it was on top of me. So they had to get quite a few people to move the tree Mm -hmm. branch off me. Wow. So you had no opportunity to try to run to the left or right. This just happened from behind there was no warning yeah no warning at all and yeah just didn't see the tree coming yeah um and my dad was concerned about whether my brain was affected he knew i was still alive Mm -hmm. and you know he kept talking to me um and the staff at the school were stopping the blood flowing from my head and they must have pushed too hard and i started telling them not to push so hard so my dad was quite happy that I was back to normal 
you know, telling people what to do. So he was happy <laughs> oh, about that. Well, uh, humor had such a tragic moment there. And, and your son just missed getting hit as well. Yeah, he saw me laying there on the ground with the tree branch on me. And fortunately, the uh, teachers took him away and, you know, provided counseling to him hmm. uh, and my daughter as well. Yeah, wow. And so you don't remember anything else from that moment? No, um, not for a few weeks. And so you just wake up in hospital? Yeah, um, I don't know exactly when I woke up, but things were hazy for some time. Yeah. And I didn't remember things. So, you know, when I was eventually, you know, awake enough, they had to tell me three times that I was paralyzed from the chest down. Oh, my goodness. Because each time, I would forget about it. And the third time, I I remembered it. And then I remember having a bit of a cry about it um, and being upset. But it took them quite some time to get it through to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in your situation. You know, you're just walking along, minding your own business. And then you wake up a couple of weeks later with the devastating news that you're paralyzed. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. What were the extent of your other injuries? Uh, there were plenty of broken bones and fractures. The main issue was a bruised heart, and that was the thing the surgeon was mainly concerned about. It wasn't the broken spine. It's the bruised heart was you know, the organ in the body that may be failing, hmm. uh, and that may have killed me during my time you know, I see you initially. But, you know, it came good and I spent a total of 30 days in ICU and that was, let me say, an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Plenty of times, you know, I was asking God, where were you? I mean, <laughs> it seemed like I wasn't there for God for years. And then yeah. I was asking him, where are you, God? You know, you do all these wonderful things. Why couldn't you stop the tree from falling? And I just didn't understand why it happened. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you mentioned you physically had a bruised heart, but at first I thought you were kind of alluding to, metaphorically, your heart being bruised by such a devastating experience. Well, no, it was actually um, a bruised heart because the tree branch uh, was quite heavy and it would have um, landed on my back and then pushed me to the ground and you know, it's, it's fortunate that um, the rib cages are designed in such a way to try and impact, you know, damage to the internal organs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to the physical pain, there was a bit of emotional pain, wondering, God, where were you? How could you let this happen? Yeah, that happened for a while. And at the time, there was a, a tidal wave. I think it was in Asia and... Oh, yeah, the tsunami, yep. Yeah, that killed quite a lot of people. And, yeah. You know, I was asking God about those people mm-hmm. as well. And after a while, I just stopped asking God questions because I wasn't getting any answers. So, you know, my mm-hmm. faith was already low at that point. Yeah. And I think it just went even lower. Mm. And then, 11 months into your rehab, things took a turn for the worse. Is that right? Yeah, um... It was probably um, October 2010, and I was just waking up, and I had the worst pain ever in my back. Mm -hmm. 
and I was crying out for help and it didn't matter what the staff could do for me. It, that pain has never gone away. So I live with chronic pain, mm-hmm. but I've managed to um, to look after it, you know, manage it much better via exercise and, and drugs mm-hmm. since then. But I would say that's my number one problem in life, pain. It's not the fact that I can't walk around. So to this day, you have constant pain. That's right, yeah. It's with me all the time and, you know, it never goes below five out of ten and sometimes as the day progresses, it gets up to like seven or eight and I have to go back to bed or I do some exercise and get back to bed. And then I'm sad to say that things took a turn for the worse in your relationship with your wife. Yeah, um, I was discharged from rehab about 16 months after the accident and returned home and, you know, life is difficult having a disability, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. life is also difficult for partners and children mm-hmm. as well. And my relationship with my wife suffered as a result mm-hmm. of that. And probably just over a year after discharge, um, we separated mm. and I was at home alone with the kids so you had custody of the children? Nothing official, but the children stayed with me. And, you know, I was just trying to get used to living at home with a disability, with a wife and kids. And then there was another change. Like, yeah. how do I survive at home without a partner being there? And how do I ensure I do the best at home for the children? Yeah, You know, over time, all these things happened and all these challenges occurred and with children one of the things that they need to do is get a good education Mm -hmm. and how can I help them get a good education if I'm I can't keep an eye on what they're doing you know Mm. with study yeah so that was a big big concern for me yeah now just on a practical level you had help obviously taking care of your children yeah it's wonderful that you know, you get a lot of help from people, say, at church. Mm-hmm. So Jasmine joined uh, a youth group. This is your daughter? Yeah, and that really helped her in life. Mm-hmm. And then a few years after she joined, I started going to the church. And then a little bit later, my son started going to the church. So, you know, it was really good how that panned out. You yeah, know? And yeah. God helps a lot mm-hmm. in the relationships between us and people that were going to church that helped us, you know, actually get to church and stay there and and serve God. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with John Duthie, who became a paraplegic after a tree fell on him at his children's sports day in 2009. As we've been hearing for a while, it seemed like his life was a modern-day Job story, with one tragic thing happening after another. However, as we'll hear, God meets him at his lowest point. All that and more is coming up when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with John Duthie, who became a paraplegic after a tree fell on him at his children's sports day in 2009. But that is not how the story ends. Just when John's life was at its bleakest point, God breaks through his depression and gives him hope and a future. Now, here's more of John's chat with Eric. Overall, I mean, you had a lot to deal with in just a few years. Yeah, that's right. And look, statistics show that the first three years after a spinal cord injury, that's the hardest period of time. Mm -hmm. And I probably got into the start of the third year and I was just overcome with grief and sorrow from relationship Mm -hmm. issues and one day, I just got all my pain relief capsules and placed them in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I was contemplating swallowing them. And mm. I must have been stirring up them for five minutes. Then all of a sudden, an unexpected visitor just opened the door of my house. And it was my wife who was visiting. And I don't know why she was there because... We didn't arrange to meet up or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she came in, saw the capsules, and then it was like, you know the Hungry Hungry Hippos game? <laughs> where you try and grab all the, the white balls? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were having this fight over pain relief capsules. Oh. And I, I lost. I got none of them, and she took all of them. Well, that's good. Um, and I felt she was taking advantage of my disability, hmm. but she grabbed them all. Yeah, um, yeah. And then she arranged myself to be picked up by an ambulance and taken to a mental health facility, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably just to have a bit of time out and talk to people. So I ended up, yeah, in a bed in the Royal Allied Hospital and they took my wheelchair away, so it's not like I could huh. go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that day, I just, I guess I just relaxed the whole day mm-hmm. and then woke up the next morning and then... I heard these words saying, you don't belong here, and don't know where it came from. And, you know, a bit later, the uh, senior psychologist came around and just doing their rounds, and I just had this really strong feeling that I should go home. Mm -hmm. You know, after a few minutes of conversation, she decided that, yeah, I can be discharged. And, of course, I didn't mention the words that I heard, you know, you don't belong here because... She may have kept me in a bit longer. Well, if you told her you were hearing voices, yeah, that might not have (laughs) worked out too well. So, yeah, I went home that day. Um, Life did get better after that, but it did take some time. And, you know, I believe the words were from God. Mm -hmm. So he met you right at your lowest point. Yeah, that's right. You know, I got home and then... You know, it took a while, but God also used other people, mm-hmm. you know, such as my friends. Um, as an example, a friend, he uh, told me I should get out of home and get to the football again and support our football team, the mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. And so we, yeah, I got to the football and that helped me get out and about and enjoy life. And, you know, things gradually improved in my life. And not only did they improve... 
but you're actually thriving on many levels. Let's talk about what you're doing physically, as far as the swimming and everything. Yeah, one of the, the doctors at rehab, Dr. Marshall, said, look, John, you've got a lot of pain, but you've still got to do a lot of exercise. Um, and I took her advice, and I, I purchased various pieces of equipment, and I was actually given a wheelchair-accessible gym by a company. Oh, wow. And those pieces of item were, were excellent. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to purchase a road bike, which is like a tricycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was interesting, getting out in the open air for exercise. Oh, so you can kind of pedal it with your arms, is that right? Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. control yeah. the bike solely with your hands. Mm-hmm. And then um, at rehab, I had an introduction to swimming. Um, and back then, basically, they put you in the water, and it's like, swim or drown. <laughs> I found out that I couldn't swim freestyle, because my head went under the water, so I had to swim backwards. And as long as I keep going, I don't drown. Oh, kind of a, a backstroke? Yeah, it's a bit like that. But um, after that, I decided to wear a, a little neck float, so that if I'm swimming in the pool... If I run into anyone, it doesn't matter. You know, uh-huh. I can just stop yeah. and go around. Uh-huh. Um, look, I love swimming now. And, you know, before the accident, I could swim about 50 meters. And my goal now is to get up to about 1,500 meters, the Olympic distance, which is about 60 laps of a 25-meter pool. Oh, wow. And um, my record so far is 42. So I've got a little way to go. Wow, so you're really, really swimming a lot and kind of setting new records and pressing in, trying to get stronger and stronger. Yeah, which, yeah, it's good, but it takes a lot of effort. And Mm -hmm. the day after, I can wake up quite sore, but it's kind of a pain that's good because you know that your body is actually getting stronger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then you started writing. So that's another whole new thing that's a part of your life. Yeah, uh, as part of my job at SA Police, I was managing projects. So I was used to always writing reports, but mm-hmm. that's not the same as writing about life. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did quite a few courses at the SA Writer Center and learned how to write and put emotion into the story and explained how I was feeling after certain things occurred. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I've been writing my memoir probably for 10 years now. So it's an ongoing piece of work. So it's the 12th anniversary of the accident. That's when I'm going to self-publish my book. And I've chosen a name that kind of reflects what happened throws in a bit of humor and humor is always good to use yep. uh, when you're a bit down so the book is going to be called Alive and Not Kicking <laughs> yes yeah, so that will be your story and as you mentioned that's a continuing project and also you've entered into several short story writing contests and had some yeah. short stories published yeah yeah uh, Table College in Adelaide runs a competition every year mm-hmm. and they put together a compilation of 
stories of life, people sharing their faith. Mm-hmm. And I think they've done that for the past four years. So I was uh, fortunate to be able to write for it for the past three years. Yeah, so you're really kind of coming into your own as far as being a writer, and you also took up a whole project of writing a book with several people writing about their life living with a disability. Yeah, I was, you know, I read about 25 books of uh, people with a disability in order to help write my book, but most of the authors or the people in the books were like well-known people, and I thought, Mm -hmm. What about everyone else? So I thought, okay, we put together a book of 25 stories of people living with a disability. And look, I really think that these ideas that I have, that which seem so crazy and impossible, I think a lot of them just come from God to give me the idea. Hmm. And then I've got to work out how to get things done. And then... God helps me by putting together all the pieces. So I didn't know who would be in the book, uh, but over a period of time, we ended up with exactly 25 chapters with 25 people, which is what the, the original thought was, mm-hmm. you know, 25 people in the book. So uh, we published last year, yeah, and it's a good good read. So um, it's been quite a experience to lead people with their stories and put it into a book and, and publish it. So, Yeah, and the name of that book is called The 18.5, which is referring to the 18.5% of Australians who live with a disability. And as you mentioned, it features 25 people sharing their stories, including your story as well. Yeah. So, you know, it took a lot of effort, but it worked out well. So, you know, getting an idea from God and then doing a lot of hard work, and then, like, amazingly, the book ends up with exactly the same number of people as the idea from from God came in the first place. So, yeah, I just find these things amazing. So God is using you in many ways to help others with disabilities. Well, yeah, I I would hope so. I mean, you know, when I was laying in bed for such a long time with my back, yeah, I thought this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life because, you know, no one told me otherwise. Yeah. And then I got out and had all the emotional turmoils of relationship issues and, you know, thought about killing myself and then I didn't know how I was going to live at home without a partner with children. But, mm-hmm. you know, things seemed to fall into place, you know, such as, without ever seeing my children do homework, my daughter ended up finishing year 12 with a great score and was school prefect. Wow. And then two years later, my son finished year 12 uh, and he was the school duck. So wow. got the highest ATAR out of three classes. It's like... That's amazing. I didn't do anything. Yeah. So you know, God must have been looking over my children knowing that I had this concern about their well-being. So, yeah. And then, you know, they formed relationships with, you know, quite a few people, including those at church, which helped them mm-hmm. yeah. along the way, too. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but looking back on your experiences, uh, anything you'd like to share with people about what you've gone through and 
Has there been a specific Bible verse that's helped you as well? At some stage, I didn't have much hope. And, you know, if you don't have hope in life, you can't see a future. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, you know, I don't think that getting through ICU, rehab, relationship issues, publishing books, doing exercise, you know, all these things, I, I don't think I could have done on my own strength. Yep, yep. You know, and when I look back, so many times when I think, wow, God put these people in those places mm-hmm. to help me along the way. So, you know, I couldn't have done it by myself. So probably uh, one of the Bible verses that would be appropriate is uh, Philippians 4, 13. Mm-hmm. I could do all things through him who strengthens me. And he did strengthen you to be able to do the writing, the swimming, the other physical things, and to be a good father as well. Well, I tried to be. Um, being a parent's an interesting journey. Um, yeah, I, I tried to do my best for my children. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much, John Ducey. Thank you, Eric. Well, what a tremendous story of God helping someone overcome one of the darkest, tragic periods of life I've ever heard. From being paralyzed after a tree fell on him, to living with constant pain, to then going through the breakup of his marriage, John Duthie had every reason in the world to be depressed. But as we heard... God spoke to him at his lowest point and gave him hope and a future, a ray of sunshine, if you will, in the midst of the darkest night. And as we heard, this made all the difference in John's life as God has helped him in many wonderful ways. You know, John's life reminds me of the classic hymn, Because He Lives. The lyrics go like this, God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Saviour lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. And so no matter what problem or tragedies have come John's way, he knows that life is worth the living because he lives. Well, if you'd like to learn more about John Duthie and the many projects he's involved in, including his creative writing, his website is simply johnduthie.com. That's D-U-T-H-I-E, johnduthie.com. Well, thanks for joining us today for John's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story... I think my immediate impression was that straight away I knew this was about survival. I I think I gave up immediately any hope uh, in regard to all those stories that I'd been told through my childhood about how great this was going to be and how I was going to have this fantastic experience. That all went out the window pretty much immediately and I just focused purely on how can I survive this situation. When Craig Chapman was born, his parents immediately enrolled him in a prestigious boarding school that he would attend at 12 years old, which was part of a cherished family tradition going back several generations. However, when Craig finally attended this school, it turned out to be the worst experience of his life. 
and has left lasting scars. Craig Chapman will share his story of healing next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.